This is Baron Vaughn, and welcome to Deep Shit. Guys, how you doing? Uh, that was weird that I just sang that over my theme song because they're not going to match in any sort of way, rhythmically or tonally. By the way, the opening and, and closing themes to this show are done by a gentleman named Well Done. Two words, W-E-L-L-D-U-N. I met Well Done. He uh, helps produce Mike Kaplan's podcast when Mike does them from Los Angeles. And when I was on it, I met Well Done. And he gave me a couple of his albums and said, hey, check these out. And I listened to them. And I was like, these are great. Hey, do you mind if I use some for my podcast? Uh, because I like what you do. And it's like, you know, it's kind of it's like electronica instrumentalism. Uh, and it's fun stuff. So if you guys like the song and you guys are into that kind of stuff, check out Well Done on the iTunes Um and, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that because I, I feel like I never give him any big ups uh, with my voice. And I wanted to do that, that guy, so that guy, you guys can go and listen and feel like you're alive. So um, what else did I want to talk about? Today's guest is Cameron Esposito. And we're going to talk about loneliness, if you couldn't tell by the subject. And uh, speaking of which, I, I apologize putting this up late. My weekends lately have been weirdly packed and scattered and all over the place and i in two weeks <laughs> i couldn't get it together by sunday night and uh now i'm gonna post it right now in the middle of the day on monday i don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck y'all that's what i'm gonna do that's what i'm gonna do i met cameron in chicago uh, actually, I met her in Los Angeles. She was visiting from Chicago before she moved here. But when I was last in Chicago and uh, performed at Zany's Comedy Club, Cameron emceed my shows, and we hit it off. And I like her a lot. And I like her girlfriend, Rhea Butcher, a lot as well. Really cool, really, really cool people and very funny stand-up comedians as well. Um, Cameron and I had a really interesting show. Uh, the feature act was a gentle, gentlewoman named uh, Emily Galati, who I've worked with before. So it was Cameron, Emily, and myself. And the Zany shows, that's a, it's a lot of shows. It's Tuesday through Saturday. A show, one show, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Two shows on Friday. Three shows on Saturday. And by that third Saturday show, you want to shoot everybody. Everybody wants to Wang Chung tonight. And that last show, which is 11.15, that audience was just brutal. And they just would not come with anything. And I got one of the best heckles I've ever gotten. Some middle-aged gay gentleman in the audience said, Do some Janet! You know, that Janet Jackson impersonation that everybody does. One of the go-to impersonations that, that people do. You know, you can't even walk down the streets these days without witnessing somebody... Do a Janet Jackson impersonation. Someone's doing their Janet Jackson again. Look, all I want to do is get my medication from this pharmacy, but the damn clerk is so busy performing a perfect rendition of Rhythm Nation, I'm not going to get my depression meds on time. I'm going to have a, a crazy panic attack because you won't stop performing escapade followed by the hit if if i was your girl the things i you know those janet jackson and everyone's always doing janet jackson's that's why it makes total sense for someone to yell that out at a comedian 
honestly, it helped. That show was doing horribly. And then when I did my Janet Jackson, uh, it started going even worse. I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about anymore. Um, anyway, that's a Cameron story. I uh, I feel like there's a couple themes that are starting to come up. Uh, I, I keep I'm, I'm on this kick I'm calling new traditionalism. And you're going to hear me talk a little bit more about it on upcoming podcasts with Guy Branham and Open Mike Eagle about taking back these traditional ideas that, you know, everyone's like, oh, we're trying to hold on to like, oh, we're losing the country. We got a traditional family values, which they're just saying, let's do the 50s again, which I'm like, mm, black people weren't in the best situation back then. But I'm talking about things like building a community, building a family, building a social network, learning to fucking cook. Guys, do you cook for yourself? I'm trying to cook for myself more. And it's counterintuitive because I'm thinking I'm first of all, I've trained myself not to eat until I'm hungry, which is the wrong timing. I shouldn't be having stomach aches and headaches before I think about eating. I should try to get ahead of the stomach aches and the headaches and be like, I'm going to have a headache in an hour. Perhaps I should start preparing a meal to not have that happen. So usually when I'm hungry, it's too late for me to cook because that's going to take a long time. I'm impatient. I want to stuff my face now. But I'm trying to do that again. I'm trying to take back cooking because you know what? Cooking for yourself is always healthier. Why? Because you're looking at what you're putting into a dish. You are looking at it. You bought it. You looked at the ingredients. You're going, okay, now I know what I'm eating. And just that little thing, knowing what you're eating, is going to improve your life a lot more. I feel like a self-help guru right now. I'm just saying this is something I'm trying to do for myself, is cook. For some reason, I really like lamb. I don't know. I didn't know I, I didn't know I liked lamb chops and stuff. I got three lamb chops in the fridge. Might rip into those bad boys tonight. 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 Anyway, what else did I want to say? All Things Comedy Network, check it out. You know, uh, Cameron has a great podcast called Put Your Hands Together, um, which I love because it's an honest-to-God comedy show. That's what it is. Mistakes included, failed jokes included, silences included, you know, awkward laughs, comedians going, no, nobody else thinks that. Okay, I'll fucking not do that joke again. All of that included. And uh, it's it's kind of beautiful, you know, and uh, my set I didn't really like. And that's why I like it. It's perfectly imperfect. You guys don't get to hear shows like that, you know. You guys, most people get to hear a comedy album or see a comedy special. But that's after that person has polished all that material. There's a long time, a process, if you will, before those jokes get to that level. And look. If you only want to see material when it is at its best, don't go to a regular comedy show. Don't go to a regular showcase show because that's not what that's about. Everyone's not going to be polished. We're still figuring it out. It takes us a while. But some people like to see that process, right? Now, on Put Your Hands Together, I feel like I did like a couple of new things and I did something that works all the time but didn't that day. So... That's beautiful in a sort of a way. I embrace the failure. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm learning. I'm, I'm seeing that like when, I, when I, I start, I bail on my act too much. I start looking down when I feel like the joke's not going well. I'm, gonna stop, I'm stopping doing that. I'm looking in the faces of the audience. That way when, I, when I'm failing, I'm looking in someone's face and we're failing together. Okay? 
yeah, these jokes aren't working, but neither is your laughing. Your laughing is broken as well, you fucking asshole. That's me looking at someone's face. That's what I'm thinking. Anyway, that's all beside the point. Uh, here's Cameron. Last night, I spent another lonely Reese's like hearts or trees are better than a regular Reese's cup because there's a more there's a higher peanut butter to chocolate ratio ratio like it's more peanut less chocolate really so you so prefer just, the peanut butter yeah I like the yes I like the holiday ones they have more peanut butter it's just a different ratio it's nearly perfect I feel like I know a lot about you and nothing about you at the same time <laughs> yeah that's true well that's <laughs> why I suggested uh what we were going to talk about today oh, for that really? reason, actually not, not just because of you, but I, just because of that topic and what you said about me in general, I think is, I mean, do you ever feel that way about yourself that you, that people, a lot of people know a lot about you, but also not a lot about you. Well, you know, I mean, there's certain people that you, uh, I believe in the whole thoughts are magnetic sort of thing. You know, you've heard that. Tell me more. Thoughts are magnetic. Your, your thoughts are literally energy in your brain. Yes. But they send out, vibes sure so it's like you're you're constantly sending out your thoughts if you will like people are like i'm just gonna throw it to the universe but we're constantly throwing shit to the universe right even when we're unaware of it right and so if thoughts are magnetic we draw people to us that reflect how we feel about ourselves oh, sure. or about the world in general right at the time so sometimes i feel like it's like if thoughts are on the same wavelength you know if you're th- if you're on a wavelength then it's like you become attracted to people who you believe are in the same wavelength or complementary wavelength or complementary wavelength so sometimes i feel like when i'm drawn to people in my life that we're somewhere in a similar wavelength somehow yeah that it's almost it's almost kind of uh, zenish to say that the universe has presented that person to me for no, some that's reason. absolutely i absolutely believe that but that doesn't mean i know anything about that person I, I, I come with a lot of assumptions, mm. thinking that, like, I'm drawn to this person for some reason, so it must mean that they're like this, 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 and this, and this. I start to pr- maybe project what I believe are my similarities to that person, and I start to see themselves, see them as an extension of myself. Well, I think also, I mean, when you do our job, mm-hmm. we spend a lot of times we spend a lot of time talking about our worldview, our opinions, and we also spend a lot of time listening to our coworkers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. worldview and opinions. And I think that sometimes that can be almost, we use that sometimes almost as a substitute for asking that person the actual question, mm. which I don't, I don't think it's like a, I heard their joke about I, Yeah. I don't think it's like sinister. <laughs> um, I just think it's that we absorb weird. It's a weird amount of knowledge to have about somebody because mm-hmm. if you're just doing, if you're like, accountants together Mm -hmm. then you just talk about accounting but the very nature of our job is sharing stuff about our lives our personal truths our observations feelings thoughts ideas so so i think it can be strange that way well but then also there's that there's that element of having like when you see a joke that you were there for the beginning like yeah and you didn't know it was gonna become a bit you had a conversation with someone they said something and then 
months later you see the oh they turned that into a bit right or when they're like i'm working on this thing and seeing like that genesis of how that that thought that idea becomes a piece of stand-up have ever told you my um comics become their characters theory but i would like to hear it well it's just like i remember someone was telling me about like uh a friend of mine took a stand-up class with lewis black yes okay so Lewis Black said this thing, which I don't think he invented, but it's just an idea of stand-up, which is that if you think of your personality as different slices of a pie, your stand-up character is two or three of those elements of your personality exaggerated. Yes. That your comedy comes from those pieces of yourself exaggerated. Right. So my theory is comedians can become their characters. It's based on ourselves. The person we are on stage, the thing that we're, exp- we're, we're expressing, we're experiencing, right. is us, but it's not us at the same time. Right. But the thing is, when we take those elements of our personality and we exaggerate them all the time, and that's where our stand-up is coming from, that we're constantly looking at the world through that lens. We've trained, we're training ourselves to see the world in a, in a way that fits those elements of our personality. Suddenly, that's the only way we can see things. You know, that's very interesting because I, I wonder if I find that about myself. Because I totally understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I, well, I think, first of all, as comics, we, we are forced to make the decision. Like, if hum, if as humans, we think eight different, we, we have eight different opinions about a topic. Mm-hmm. As a comic, you can really only have one opinion about every topic. Because your joke has to be consistent. You it has to, to reflect a perspective. Yeah, you, you, and it has to be clear, and it can't be confusing, and it can't, like, be... You can't really be understanding which is, which is or my, balanced, my, my you know? That's probably my problem. <laughs> I'm always like, I want to en- entertain every single on this thing. Like, okay, well, it could be this. Right, right. Suddenly it's an eight-minute long bit. <laughs> that was just the one-liner. But we're kind of like lawyers that are arguing our points. That's why a lot of yeah. lawyers become stand-ups. Yeah, and that's why a lot of stand-ups become lawyers. That never happens. That's no, never happened. Never... But, but it is. we are like arguing our points. Mm-hmm. And um, I would actually say that for me, I think stand-up has been a way for me to argue some of my, like, deepest beliefs mm-hmm. so that I can almost get them off my chest so mm. that as a person I can be a little bit more balanced. Because I think up until this point in my life, and maybe this is, I don't know if this is just about being a woman I, or, like, the fact that I was, I was kind of coming out when I took on stand-up as a career How choice. How long have you been doing stand-up? So I started when I was 25, and I was doing improv since I was 18. So, like, comedy, I didn't at all date women before comedy was in my life. Okay. So, like, I started improv and dating women at the same time. And then after, like, a bunch of years of trying, of being, like, of feeling guilty and feeling weird and not really understanding what was going on with me, by the time I was 25, I was finally a little bit more comfortable with myself. And that's when I started stand-up. So, like, Mm. improv kind of filled this void of, like, I know I have something to say, but I'm more comfortable saying well, it you were from a character. You were connecting with something inside yourself. I was connecting with something inside myself, yes. And I was I was yes-ending myself. And I was also... <laughs> but I also didn't want to be on stage being gay. I wanted to be like on stage being... Like yourself. A, like a weird female penguin, you know what I mean? But then eventually I wanted to be myself. Like by the time okay, I was okay. 25 and doing stand-up, I wanted to be myself. Okay, okay. And um, anyway, I think that for a really long time, because I like didn't know myself very well for a long... For, a big chunk of my life mm-hmm. i was trying to trying to catch up almost just like saying things so that i could hear myself say them so i knew how i felt about stuff because mm. i think i had a really big disconnect it's a weird it's a weird situation to not know your one of your 
most more most uh, descriptive attributes. Uh, like to not know that you're. Gay. But you were. Would you say that you were in uh, some sort of denial about it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, but, there's there's so much in your life that you don't have to think about or talk about that if when you're not in stand up. Yes. Or comedy or in any sort of situation where you constantly have to express your feelings and your ideas. Yeah. It's very easy to be like, well, I don't say what I think about all this other stuff. Yes. Why would I need to share that one thing? Absolutely. As well. And I think it was also, I don't know, I was I was going through this. I thought that everybody felt how I felt, which is like kind of uncomfortable around the people that they were dating that were the opposite sex. And I mean, I also was a teenager, so some people did. Like, there was, like, nobody stopped me and was just like, I feel really good when I'm with my boyfriend. You know what I mean? Like, right, I right, never, because right. all my friends were like, yeah, it's so crazy to be dating and all this stuff. Like, and then I was raised super Catholic. I didn't know it was a thing. Anyway, I, I just didn't realize how everybody else felt. And it was really silly. I was absolutely in denial. You didn't know how what felt? I didn't know how everybody else felt. Oh, how everybody else. I thought you said, I didn't know how reels felt. No. Like what reels. Is, like my it reality. Is, it is reels. Yeah. It's, it's plural realities. <laughs> it and I didn't know I had the yeah. idea about it <laughs> until I was like, yes. And yeah. this is true about my sexuality yes. as well. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So that brings us kind of in a way mm-hmm. to what I believe is the subject of the duh. Yes. Because. Yes. In the because you just said that like that whole I think like I know you but don't know you at the same yes. time. Boom! What's your subject? Well, I wanted to talk about loneliness. Loneliness. <laughs> oh, girl, loneliness. This mm-hmm. is my favorite episode mm-hmm. of Family Ties. Mm-hmm. My loneliness mm-hmm. is killing me, and I, I must confess, mm-hmm. I still believe. <laughs> Did you not know what it was? You have until a right beautiful there? voice. Uh, that was, I don't know what the hell that was I right there. But thanks, Cameron. Yeah. So, what is loneliness? What is that to you? What is the experience of loneliness to you? Well, it does have to do with what we were talking about because Ooh. I do feel like I have chosen a career where I share a lot about myself. And I am also very, I've been realizing, with especially with the move from Chicago to Los Angeles. Mm hmm. Uh, recently that I'm not not great at sharing myself with people like actually in a social uh, context yeah I'm not really I have a hard time trusting like mofos yeah I have a hard time trusting mofos I have a hard time trusting that people actually want to hear what I have to say about something okay um and uh wow that is so cryptic it's it's time for you to share this. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> okay, wake up and listen to the bells, Cameron. For whom the bell tolls. I can't believe it. Um, yeah, I have a really hard time feeling like expressing myself okay. to people interpersonally. And I'm very f- social and I'm very friendly. And I can talk to people about movies. And I can talk to people about... And movies sort of like secretly... Whenever you talk about movies, you always secretly are saying things about your own opinion. Yeah, of course. Because right. you're 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 secretly expressing some of your own ideas. Absolutely. But through the lens of here's what I thought about Zero Dark Thirty. Right, right, <laughs> right. But as you were, saying, it's hard though, to be in relationships. Yeah. That's what I learned from Zero right? Dark Thirty. <laughs> because if you're in zero relationships, it gets really dark. All of a sudden, you're thirty. Yeah. And you're like, what? 
<laughs> what have I done? I haven't done anything. I feel like I'm in Afghanistan. But as you were saying. No, that's, I, I just am trying to, I realize that I'm an adult and I don't know how to have like solid friendships. I'm also really great at dating because I'm good at finding like a person, one person. Okay. And trusting them like, now this is the person I trust and I tell them all the stuff. Well, dating is different than relationships. Oh, okay. Sorry. Do you mean Sorry. you're good at relationships? No, I'm terrible at dating. Forget that. I'm really good at relationships. Yes. Okay, investing in one person. Yes. Because dating is dating is light. Yes. Dating is no, I'm no. Talk I'm the worst you, at that. Like, really, you're. I'm gonna know you for three hours cumulatively. No, I've never even done that. I've never even like been on a date. I don't actually think. Oh. That didn't end in like a serious three and a half year relationship. <laughs> That was like filled with strife and meeting each other's families and going oh. on various vacations to different shores, you know, of, okay. of different types. Yeah. Um, shores? Sure. Shores. Yeah. Shores. Yeah. Shores. Shores. I, I'm, I'm, shores. For shores. I hear what you're saying, Polly. Yeah. <laughs> but you were saying, so you're, you're good at that and then like sharing yourself with one person. Yes. But, really you, but that's, I mean, that's a different level of sharing. I think it's also, but it's also like. I don't know. You almost have something on them. And I don't mean that like. I. Say I. I, I almost have something I, on them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well done. Um, I feel like I almost have something on them. And so therefore it's like more balanced. I don't have to be the one that's. Putting yourself out there without feeling right. like you're going to get any. Like I had a friend here that I called like last week. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I was really disappointed about something that was going on and just in the friendship? sad. No, just like in my own life. Oh, okay, okay. And I decided to take a risk and do something I never do. And I like called somebody just to be like, hey, I'm feeling really sad. Um, I honestly, I was like, I think I miss my family, which seems weird because I'm an adult. And But I called this person and I said that. And I said, have you ever felt like this? And... um. And he said, no. <laughs> he said, no, I never really get too sad. And I was, I mean, that's like my biggest nightmare. Well, you got to get that response. You got to make sure it's a, it's a friend that has the sad stuff. You got to have your but friends. But he does. You... He's lying to himself. Oh, oh. But is it like, was it joke denial or real denial? No, real denial. <sighs> okay. So you so then I, So I just realized like, okay. That's what's going on with him. And I'm not going to like, you know, spend the, I'm not going to do the, the therapy work there to be like, are you sure you've not? I mean, you know, we weren't getting there, but. Because you're the one that needed therapy at that moment. Yeah. I needed to talk to somebody and I needed to like hash it out. And, um, and so you felt a little, I guess, rejected, deflected. I guess I felt like, you know, I always, I just grew up taking care of, I have like two siblings that are very, very sensitive women mm-hmm. and they're also very very strong but like i've always taken care of they're like the sensitive one and then i'm like the strong silent type so you're the one who everyone always comes to but you never get to go right. to anybody else <clears throat> well that's how i feel anyway I, I mean it's like my own dynamic that i'm constantly setting up it's not mm-hmm. like all of these people have foisted this on me it's like how i was raised and so then i was like well this is the relationships that we have with people so then i just set that dynamic up for myself again but it's just interesting to have it, like, actually fulfilled. I'm going to close this door. You should. Close the door. Because dogs are happening. Yeah, see? They're pissed off about it, But anyway, it too. continue what you were saying. I, I guess my my question here is, how does that 
that is, I see what you're saying, but how does that manifest itself into loneliness? Because your reaction to, okay, I don't have anyone, makes you do what? I go on long walks by myself and just feel like I don't know yet. It's like this one skill that I don't have yet. I have so many other skills at What's this point skill? in my life. Uh, honestly, like having friendships where I can trust somebody else to listen to me when I'm having a hard time. I'm just not good at it. And it's strange to be an adult and like not be able to do that. That feels like something you should have, one should have figured out, I should have figured out. A lot of people never figure that out. Yeah, I know that's true. And it's, it's, especially a lot of people in our job, I think. And then, and that, in our job, but then people who are much older than us, in our job, at least we get to do the thing that you've been talking about, which is express how we feel about things. Yes. Discover facets of ourselves that we never would have known. Yes. But I think this is also why I like this career because mm -hmm. it's easier for me to stand up in front of a room of people and talk about what's up with me or what I'm sad about than it is for me to talk to one person because the intimacy stresses me out. Like the intimacy of trusting somebody that much but an audience it's like they want to be there they paid to be there you can't see the, the they faces want to yeah you they're can't the see their faces <laughs> yeah you never have to see them again they're not going to ask you the follow-up questions they're not going to like uh i guess like depend on you as well so it's a very one-sided relationship in some ways it's mm. also a conversation you know like you talk to them and then they laugh and then you're like oh they do understand what i'm saying mm -hmm. and i feel like sometimes with your friends you about throw something out they'll be like no yeah they might be like no I, I never feel sad and then you're like shit that'd be great if you went yeah. up in front of a stage and you told a joke and then <laughs> as one voice everyone just said no no yes <laughs> <laughs> that's probably scarier than the other thing <laughs> But see, that'll never happen. That might be silence. You might get silence, That's which true. is kind of a no. Kind of a everybody at once saying no. It's such a no that they can't even say yeah, no. Yeah, they, it's, it's a... It's like a double no. It is. It's a double negative. It is. It, We're like, not even going to participate. They're like Dr. No. In, yeah. <laughs> they are like Dr. No. I don't even know. They're so in Jamaica. Okay, so just like, then you isolate a little bit. Very much so. Yeah. It's like my go-to life choice. Lifestyle. And what do you do in the isolation? Because you, you said you take long walks, but what, your brain's working, your subconscious is mm -hmm. also walking? My brain is definitely working. I go on, like, I've always been, like, a crazy walker. I mean, like, seriously long walks. And we also live in Los Angeles where, like, nobody walks. Nobody, well, so in this I look like a maniac. In this neighborhood, though, you can a take little bit. hikes yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I do that. I take I take hikes and I um it's socially acceptable walking. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But I mean like I would go on like a 5-mile walk or something with headphones in and just like chill out. Because then it, again it kind of feels like you're having a conversation cuz if your headphones are in, I listen to podcasts, mm -hmm, not music, mm -hmm. and not comedy podcasts because you know all I those people. Too many comedies in my life already. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I just listen to not comedy podcasts and I walk like a crazy person. You got to have the non-coms. I listen to a couple comedy podcasts yeah. because with almost in a way like they become substitutes for my friendships. <laughs> You're like, "Oh, good. They're dating well, there's again." Like, yeah. There's people who I love in my life that don't live in the city, but they have a podcast that I can listen to, be like, right. "Oh, that's what they're up to." Right. But then I also like the podcasts that have nothing to do with – because there's certain podcasts that's like someone I know really, really well. Like if they're being interviewed, 
I'm like, well, I can't listen to that. Absolutely. I could, just, I could call that person if I wanted to. I don't want to hear what they have to say. <laughs> I think the big one that I definitely don't listen to anymore, I listened for a little while, is WTF. Because, like, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's a substitute. Like you're saying, it's a substitute for my conversation with any of those people. Yeah, or yeah. it's, like, so inside that. Well, the, the the rule I made for myself was that it couldn't be people I really knew, really, yeah. knew really well. But then also I felt like I had to stop listening. I mean, I still listen, but I, like, slowed down. Like, I got into that podcast. Yes. But it was like, I believed I was Mark Marin. That's well, the other thing. It was also stressing me out, like, because it, because it talks about everybody's, how they did everything, everybody's process. Right. Like, that's, that's really what he talks about is, like, how did you get to here? Right, right. Like, he goes through the path that everybody took. And I think, as comics, it's hard enough to not be constantly looking next to you and ahead of you and behind you and just, like, what's he doing? What's she doing? Like, just keeping that, like, neck-and-neck neck energy. And mm-hmm. that stuff does not help you i just i do not find that it is helpful Mm. you have to keep a little bit of tabs you can't be completely out of it but Mm -hmm. when i find myself constantly comparing yes i had to unfollow most i don't follow most comics on twitter i don't like look at most of their facebook because i want to be friends with people i don't want to feel competitive i don't want my energy that i'm putting out into the comedy community to be like competitive or that i'm constantly trying to like hey how'd you do like you know just like only talk to people so that I can get the the cheat sheet that I think I'm going to get from them because it's that's not what well, it's about. It's just a... I, I have learned because I feel like I get hit up for advice a lot, which yeah. always feels not necessarily weird. It depends on who the person is, but it's like I'm still figuring it out. Yes, like a friend of mine once told me that she could she could tell people how to get to exactly what she is doing. Right. But after that, they're fucked. She's like, (laughs) you're asking about things that I still have questions about. Like, I'm wondering how I get over there as well. And that was another thing that, and I have similar things with that that I just, I I can't. That is my biggest mm, Achilles heel is the comedy news and the comedy blogs and reading what everyone is doing and just being like, it doesn't, it's not a, it's not positive. No, it's not. It doesn't create in me anyway the reaction that i want it to create i think if i was able to like what i've tried to do is just have such a such a slow filter such a slow rush of news that i can honestly be happy for those people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or that i'm like hearing it from them or you know like that it's just not constantly like a feed that's updating with like here's what this person's doing here's what this person's doing because that's i mean you'll drive yourself crazy i also have come to you for advice about stuff and yeah, but you weren't obnoxious. Just little things. <laughs> no, but you were, you were great to to talk to about it because I thought that is what you kind of said to me is just like here's the really basic outline of like what's going to happen when you move to LA. Mm-hmm. These three things or whatever. And that is what I think I think that is what we can do for each other. Like mm-hmm. I think that is actually really helpful. I think, you know, I've done that for people as well that are uh, less far along than I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I think it's when you start to go to like the nitty gritty of like, okay, how many nights a week were you at the comedy store? And like, yeah. how, like, how do I get the on store? that like, show. Man, you know, like that whole thing. And, and then suddenly it's just, it's. Well, cause I also, I, I feel like I've been saying this a lot as well because I uh, got contacted by this guy that he's writing a book about the alternative comedy scene. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk to him because I have ridiculous amounts of theories about, about it as a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. But it's like, I believe there were three waves of alt comedy and that we're currently in the thir- third wave. 
the first wave are people who are all incredibly popular and successful and known now from Louis C.K. to Marin to I'd say I put Margaret Cho in there, uh, Garofalo, Sarah Silverman, Patton Oswalt, etc. Second wave. So they had to create the scene as a reaction as an alternative to clubs. Then the second wave came up with that scene. So they had to take the torch and ask people like Dimitri Martin or Eugene Merman, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we're in the third wave now. And there's all this other stuff about, because it's like things about exclusivity and stuff like that. Point is though, I know that I'm, I'm considered in some sense as an alt, an alt comic. I don't consider myself an alt comic because I don't specifically only do those rooms, nor have I ever specifically pursued being on those shows. That is the new thing. Yes. It's like all I get asked about, how do I get on this, this, and this show? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I just knew those people. That's who, because I didn't, I went to where I started getting booked in New York. And it just happened to be around this group of people who I've known for years. Well, I think, isn't that always the answer? That it's just, you know, the people that run that thing. I mean, I mean, sure, like occasionally you might send a really well-worded, like, booking request right, or some right. killer video or something or like your manager which I, I don't even have a manager but like somebody is negotiating on your on your behalf but i really think that what what is true about stand-up mm-hmm. and continues to be true is that you you either know everybody you need to know or you're gonna meet them and as you proceed forward your best advocates mm-hmm. are just going to be the people that have been seeing you work and working alongside you for a matter of years. I mean, I've only been doing stand-up for six years and already I, I, I know that every, and it happens so slowly too. I mean, we were just talking about, I have a, like a little bit of a relationship with um, this dude, Jesse Thorne, who runs a podcast called uh, Jordan Jesse Go is one of his podcasts. Mm-hmm. Sound of Young last, America. Last week he was out of town at South by Southwest, so I co-hosted the show for him. But three years ago, I was recommended by uh, Dan Telfer to open for Maria Bamford because he was out of town and he was usually her opener. And so I started working with Maria. In Chicago. She, yes, in Chicago. And then she took me on the road to a couple other shows. Then Jesse was going to come to Chicago to record The Sound of Young America there. And Maria recommended me as a live guest on the show. Then I came to Los Angeles and was on Jordan Jesse Go as a guest. Then I went back to Chicago for like two and a half years. Then I came out and I did a festival that Maximum Fun puts on. Then I've you know like it's it's like if somebody's like so how do you do you know host Jordan Jesse Go? It's like well three and a half years ago you meet Maria Bamford. You know what I mean? Like that's it. It's always that's always the answer. I and it's and the only reason I knew Maria is because. Like five years ago, you meet Dan Telfer, and you know, but like then, it's but like then you meet these people, and you you have these relationships because the only thing that is true is stand up is stand up. You just have to you <laughs> yeah. just have to do stand up. Yeah. Yeah. You get better. The right. group of people that you were you were, you're with hopefully also get better. Right. You all start getting opportunities, and you can help out these people Absolutely. that you knew for three, four, five, six, seven years. Right. But it's like there's no there's no one ostensible thing that you can do no there isn't or no that's going to break you open into some sort of thing it's just you have to do everything all the time absolutely and see what sticks i also think it's funny when like even in my own head i think this sometimes you know like how did these people become friends you know like how like i can't believe you know like oh i don't i don't even know what 
like, oh, uh, Scott Ackerman has all these dudes on his show and like, you know, and it's like, yeah, they've been working together for 12 years. Yeah, yeah, a long time. Yeah, they, so they've been friends. So they're actually friends. Like, because I think sometimes we forget like how you and I have known each other for however long we've known each other now. A year. A year, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we. I had, I had heard of you and met you before that. Absolutely. Knowing each other as people who right. are like, hey, I got your yeah. phone number. <laughs> absolutely. No, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. But then, but then, you know, in five years, this is both going to, this is still going to be both of our jobs and other people can look at our friendship or our knowing each other as if it's like, and oh, they must the- have done a show together one time. It's like, no, we've done like a million shows together and we have each other's phone number and, you know, we do like, it's like all those things. You yeah. don't realize how the. Those small things really. Well, then I also think about like the people that I started out with that aren't around. Yes. Or because especially now with uh, motherfucking Facebook or before it MySpace. Yeah. It's like I still get people's updates. Yeah. You know, I'll get I'll get the occasional message from somebody I did stand up with six years ago that stopped. And I was just like, oh, that, you know, my life became a life. (laughs) <laughs> and my priorities change, but it's nice to see that you're doing, you're still doing it, and blah Absolutely. blah blah. I just wanted to say hi. It's like whoa, and I constantly have to think about, I don't know, constantly, but I'm constantly thinking about all those people because it's 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 the opposite end. It's like we don't know about those guys have known each other for 20 years, but yeah. what are all the people that they started out with that dropped off? Absolutely. The- well, because that is the other side of it. You're right. Like there's nobody that's making it for the for their entire career that just started, but not everybody that started it ends up 25 years in so it is funny because all those people that have been doing it for 25 years yeah they know each other they've been working together for 25 years right but they also know like a mushroom cloud worth of people vibrating out from that that all you know didn't continue to do that for a job exactly and i would theorize that pretty much every stand-up any great stand-up comedian that you know or have ever heard of has one person that they think was one of the funniest people they've ever seen that just stopped. Yeah. That stopped and disappeared. And I, there's three comedians that I still am like, I, I still think about bits that they did and how good they were and how they just, I don't know where they are. They That's just stopped so doing stand-up. Interesting. You know, one of my favorites in Chicago, she like stopped for a little while or, or was doing shows less and then came back to it. So I'm hopeful that she continues uh, because I agree with you. That is really sad when you're like personal taste, especially because I mean, yeah, we do this for a job, but so often it's not actually funny. I mean, if you see stuff <laughs> over and over again, there's sometimes I'm like, Oh, that's an amazing joke. Mm-hmm. Or like, well argued, sir. You know, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the number of times that I'm just like, wow, that is that's comedy really funny to me personally. <laughs> It's not. It's not it's as many as I, it's not what I as expect, I yeah. yeah as I as I wish it was. I wish it was more. Um, but yeah. Well, let's get back on subject. Yeah. Which is Spanish for subject, <laughs> which is not true. It's probably. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say what it is because now I'm going to start sounding race more and more racist. Subjecto. No, that's Italian. Yeah. <laughs> but you're Italian, right? Yeah, I'm so speaking Italian. You're yeah, Esposito. I mean, yeah. I don't know what. And it is St. Patrick's Day, so I'm required. As an Italian, that's true. We're recording a St. Patrick's something Day. about this probably won't be out Italian. for like three weeks. That's fine. Who cares? Just know that my dad somewhere is really happy yeah. because I'm bringing up my Italian heritage. Okay, so so it's three weeks. You're yeah. listening to this three weeks after St. Patrick's Day, and no, Cameron brought up her Italian, yeah, heritage, heritaggio, yes. right? <laughs> yes, heritaggio. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
So, well, I mean, this all kind of relates in a sort of a way because you're sure. talking about blocking out certain certain voices mm. just from your own personal, I guess, your own private Idaho, right? That you yeah. don't want to be, you want to, because in a way, what you're saying here is you you don't want to know what certain people are doing so that way when you see them, you're positive about them. Yeah, that God, that sounds so terrible, doesn't it? Does that sound terrible? Oh, yes, but I wasn't going to say it. Um, <laughs> no, it doesn't sound that terrible. I guess it's just like... You don't want to... You're, you're, you're I want them to actually be people to me, not just news. Not just like a string of shows Manifestations of your own insecurities. Yes, exactly. Yes. Because also, I could be that to them. And I don't mean that like, you know, but I just mean... Hopefully, we're I know all you are. doing little things. You probably are. I probably all. am too. Absolutely. I constantly yeah. be like, oh, this person, this person. I'm like, yeah. But you know what? Some people are looking at me and being like, how the hell did he do that? Right. Exactly. Oh, he's got. He's done. He's been on, on TV like for real, not just. And also Conan and so like the, like you have you have many things. I'm sure people were like, and I don't. Think it's about crazy. <laughs> I know. No, I know. And I think that's and that's true for them. They're just like, and so anyway, I think I think a lot of comics have that have that thing going on inside of them, and I I try to. Uh, portion that in the smallest possible portion I can mm-hmm. put on my plate. Well, because what are you afraid of? I mean, I, when I say manifestations of your own insecurities, is it that you, if you know too much about that person, you won't be able to see them as who they are as much as the list of things that they're doing that you're not? I think it's actually just carrying around that much resentment mm. with me. But you don't trust yourself not to fall into resentment. Well, I am trying other ways of working through it, you know, just by actually being friends with comics. Um, but, and I will say it's actually a little bit easier out here in LA than it was in Chicago. I, I, a lot of my closest friends are comics and they were for a long time in Chicago, but there's also a, a general mentality in Chicago that like you have to be out every single night right, and you have right. to also be out for four shows a night. And then after the last show, you have to go to the after bar that, go- that closes at five. And, mm. like, you probably shouldn't have a day job. Or if you do, you know, you should lose it or, like, be late for it. And um, Sacrifice everything for comedy. Yes. Sleep on couches. Sacrifice everything for comedy. And I just, I have sacrificed a lot for comedy, but I'm not really willing to. It's, just, it's not even like I'm not willing to. It's just not my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't like to do it. You mean sleeping on casuals and being late for your job? Yeah, and also being looked doing at as an irresponsible seven, yeah. asshole by everybody else that isn't a comic, <laughs> right? And also doing seven shows a night. Like, and at the same time, when I started, there were it was me and Beth Stelling, me and one other lady started at the same time. Mm-hmm. Then you know, seven hundred dudes. So it wasn't just that I didn't want to do that socially. It was like I didn't want to be at a bar with eighty-five single guys mm-hmm. at five o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. drinking PBRs. Like I just don't care like i'm not gonna hook up with any of them i'm Mm -hmm. not like out cruising i always had a girlfriend right because i like trust the woman that i was with so i would like have a girlfriend i would want to kind of go home Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't like about them and not wanting to spend time with them it was just that like the things they were doing didn't really appeal to me Mm. la is a little bit more of a balanced place i think just because you can't actually keep that schedule you can't because nobody lives in the same neighborhood nobody lives in the same neighborhood and you can't really drink that much. You can't drink because if you have you're to gonna, drive. You have to drive, and uh, you also don't really care about staying at like the after bar because most people have to get up in the morning and like go to their writing job or whatever right. it is. And um, 
that just suits my personality a little bit better. Mm. So I think it was like I was friends with all these people, but I just didn't have like a we didn't have a lot in common, I guess. Right. Was, with mm-hmm. with most of the folks that I was you didn't with. want to be drinking PBR until the sun came up. Yeah, and just like that whole mentality of like not being a not having other things, I guess. Not mm. having other things besides comedy. But do you and you don't feel that you got iced out of the scene in that way, that you weren't you didn't become someone who was always just not around. Well, one thing that I did that I think really saved me is I ran an open mic for a bunch of years that ended up being like the most popular open mic in town. And I only say that because I would be there. I think it was like however long it was, like nine hours or something. Not really, but it was like from eight until two in the morning. Wow. And so I would run That's six. Okay. So I would run a six hour open mic every Wednesday night with my closest friend in Chicago, Adam Burke. And so like he would kind of, you know, we were a great team together, and I mm-hmm. think people could see that I was working with another comic. And then also I would, like, put my time in. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily go to the second bar that people went to after that that went up till 4 o'clock in the morning, but I think people could see, like, all right, well, she, she, is, hosted a she is dedicated. Yeah. yeah, she's not, like, just showing up and doing spots and then leaving, which I've never done that. I've never, like, you know, just shown up and done the spot and then taken off after every show. But I, well, I, I just, feel like, I mean, obviously, I, I, it's a, I feel like it's a typical gender thing here. That mm-hmm. like I feel like male comics will they're more likely to not take female comics seriously yes. in terms of their meta uh, motivation of why they're out because yeah. they expect you to do all the exact same things that they're doing absolutely but if there was a if there was a male comic who was who came out was funny but then didn't hang out the bar people wouldn't be like well he's a fucking dick i absolutely but agree but if it was a woman be like well what a bitch no you, i think you're totally right well i also think that there's something else to that which is like they the like the part where they all go play video games together mm-hmm. the chick is not necessarily going to be invited to that like i'm not necessarily going to be invited to that and it not as like a because they don't like me i think it's just i think some of those dudes didn't know how to talk to me. Like, I'm a woman, you know? Like, and, th- and there was, like, a difference there. So I think that it was hard to go and sit at an open mic that I wasn't running for six hours right, because right. I just had to, like, sit with these dudes, and they would be, like, super sweet to me, and I would be super sweet to them. But, like, whatever was that baseline of communication, like that, like, cave person communication level, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we wouldn't get there. And I mm. know I could see that they were having that with each other. You know, like, I could see these dudes being like, you know, like, yeah, and, like, hitting on chicks together and all the, you know, like, all this stuff that they were all doing. Male camaraderie. Yes, this, this like, fucking uh, Seth Rogen bullshit that, you know, like, that's happening all around me. Judd Apatow is directing the open mic. Seth, yeah. Seth Roganisms. Yeah, everybody's having that experience. And I'm just standing there going like, I also, and then, and there weren't very many, now there's like a few gay women in Chicago, but at that time, there were, then there were like no gay comics. So it was like Beth, who Not actually- Not even male? There was one other male gay comic that I started with. I mean, I'm talking about like hundreds of comics. It's right. me and one gay dude. Right, and then also then there was you and one other woman. Yes, so I was like, a u- I mean, I was a unicorn. Just like, who the fuck, like, how do we talk to this girl? Which is the gayest metaphor. Yeah, and it's the gayest metaphor. And it's not that I didn't feel accepted. I guess I just didn't feel, because I really felt a lot of respect from those people, but I just. You just didn't feel I, like the sociability of it. Yeah. Just the regular, like, we're going to hang out thing wasn't your vibe. And also talk about editing yourself. I mean, after five years of that, you don't, you also, as a woman, 
you don't want to walk into every room and just be like, I feel uncomfortable here as a woman. You guys are telling rape jokes. It makes me feel weird. You know, like you can't say that every time because shut the fuck up. Like just do your job, you know, like just come and Mm. do jokes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I also felt like I had to really, I don't know, kind of edit. And you do a little bit as a comic. Mm -hmm. You have to just do your set. You know, you can't get up and like give everybody else notes on like, wish you hadn't said that about gay people. Mm. Wish you hadn't talked about women like that. Mm. I mean, you just have to get up and do your set. So I feel like there was a little bit of editing that I But then I once learned. you get to know some people, you can be like, hey, you know that uh, gay rape joke you do? Yeah. Kind of insensitive and ignorant. I mean, I have done that. <laughs> once you've known someone for a while, you can yeah. be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to change your mind about something. And they're like, yeah. wow, really? Man. Or sometimes they're like, actually, I don't see that at all. And you're like, okay, carry on. Okay, delete. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to be a, I don't need to always be a crusader. But No, but you got to, you know... People propagate ignorance, yes, and they don't know it. That's prob- that's part of what it means to be ignorant. Well, it's very hard to if they have that ignorance, like if they're coming from ignorance mm-hmm. or from just any lack of connection to what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to ground somebody mm-hmm. just as another person. I mean, like we all need to find figure things out for ourselves. We're right. so self. Humans, all humans, so self-focused right. in their own viewpoint, especially yeah. comics, because that's our whole job is like, what do I think? And so right, right, right. it's really hard to talk somebody out of. Well, through just talking to you right now and everything that you're saying, you have convinced me to speak and see people less. That's right. To see people less and speak to them less. That's like, right. You know what? That's a good idea. Stay Cameron. on your own. I'm just going to no. stay right here. <laughs> well, I'm trying to have uh, non-comedy friends. Yeah, that's what that's I'm going to ask what I've been you. What are you doing to combat? this well, non-comedy friends so i'm trying to have comedy friends you know like I'm, I'm happy to nurture relationships with the with comics but i want to have friends that i also don't speak to comedy about mm-hmm. only you know like that i talk about other things do you have and that people? they yeah since i since i moved to la um i have made like a couple oh you've made i have non-comedy friends. i have made not that comedy sounds friends. impossible to it me. is it is it was so hard, but also like really good, and I'm I'm really happy about it because I think I wanted it for a couple of years and I just wasn't able to. You you do need that. I mean, I have non-comedy friends, but that has more to do with the fact that I grew up in Vegas. Yeah, and that LA is not that far, and a lot of people sure. from Vegas move. So I I know some people from high school that moved here. Oh, that makes sense. I know some people from college that moved here that yeah. have nothing to do with comedy that right. I can see hang out talk to um even people from new york they're mm, a lot of them are actors right but they're not comedians yeah so it's still we'll talk about acting or you know auditioning and stuff like that but then when i want people who are like okay i want to hang out with someone that doesn't have nothing to do with this motherfucking industry yeah i have a couple friends one of them married a guy that has something to do with this industry but that's fine i don't have to talk to him sure yeah forget it (laughs) he's successful he doesn't have he doesn't have anything to say what you're describing yeah is what I what is what I had in Chicago. Like mm. I had that kind of a network. Right, because you grew um, up in Chicago. I grew up there. My sisters are there, and they have friends that I'm really close to. Like we're all kind of any we're like similar ages and mm-hmm. um, all really close friends. But during the last like four years that I was there, I was just performing so much and traveling so much that I right. wasn't able to maintain friendships with people that didn't have like completely weird work hours because everybody wants to hang out with you from like five to 
midnight and that's when I work. So right, I was right. never able to like really keep those friendships up. So since I moved here, because it's like a different environment, people don't necessarily want to do a show every night or, or, or two shows every night. Like you either do one or honestly, people take nights off, which is crazy to see. Right. So I feel like I'm able to have like some dinners with people. Yeah. Yeah. And some movies and stuff like things that I just, I like, honestly, it feels like a crazy luxury. Like I, I can't believe I can have dinner. We're going to sushi. Like it feels, I feel like, a, <laughs> I feel like a queen. This has nothing to do. Yeah. And I, I feel like I, I, uh, I pursue non-comedy activities with comedians. Mm, yes. Like you're a person I like, let's not talk about comedy yes. and go to dinner. Yeah. Just go bowling, sing some karaoke. So that's new too. And I think that is a little bit more, and I'm not saying that Chicago isn't a, isn't a great place it really is but and it's a great place to come up but i just think that you hit a certain age it's also generally a more youthful scene because right. once somebody everybody hits a certain age they kind of move to new york or la right you plateau in chicago yeah, yeah. and it, you, it's kind of like when you're between when you're 30 and 40 you're moving so right. it's all these kind of people in their young 20s and it it just when you're in your 30s it becomes harder to relate to people that are 22 and you have to move yeah. Because that's also part of, like, if you didn't, people would be like, oh, I guess they weren't taking this seriously yeah, absolutely. the entire time. Of course you have to. Now yes. when they show up to PBR time, right? I don't think that they really mean this. Right. And also, I mean, I think that when, as you get a little bit older, it no longer feels as crazy to drink. Like, that's no longer this, like, absolutely. trophy of, like, I'm a wild person. Absolutely. I'm drinking like a maniac. And so... That kind of happened, and then I moved to L.A., which is, like, not really a huge drinking city on top of that. Right. And so it's interesting to have social time with comics, just, like, going to movies or, like you're saying, bowling. Stuff that I just cannot believe comics are even willing to do. Because I only think of comics as, as drinking. wanting to do and yeah, talk about like, and think about comedy. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming around to this new realization that, um, quote-unquote, cheesy shit yeah. is very important. And I, and I Name some of the cheesy things. Book clubs. Yes. Um, taking a writing class, but like, or, or um, uh, a millinery. Yeah. Class, learning how to make hats. I'm, I'm interested in woodworking. Yes. Um, possibly yes. doing shit like, like participating at a public garden. Yes. Shit like that, where it's like, you have to be a fucking person. You know what I mean? Activism yeah. as well. Anything they would generally do in Portland. It, yes. <laughs> anything that fuels yeah it makes your beards grow faster yeah. all your tur all your clothes turn into beards yes <laughs> <laughs> you do cheesy so it's like I, I i was gonna ask you what you thought about this because this is something i've been thinking about a lot lately and i forgot until right now that i had a, a joke idea the joke was the most profound things i've ever heard came out of the mouths of people that i first thought were the most obnoxious people i ever met tell me more okay well here's the idea that there was this you know that website cracked yeah. So they, they specialize in like lists. They've kind of right. like, it's almost like it's the new VH1 talking head show. Uh -huh. It's just like people make lists of seven reasons this thing's happening. Cracked and BuzzFeed, man. Exactly. Pictures so of puppies. There was yeah. one that I loved and I still think about, which was uh, seven reasons uh, the 21st century is making you miserable. That one and 10 things you, you do wrong that you have no idea you're doing wrong were like two of my favorites. The 10 things you're doing wrong you didn't know you're doing wrong. One is shitting. We're doing that wrong. What? We, biologically, we're not supposed to sit on a chair while we do that. Where are we supposed to We're do? supposed to squat. Oh, yeah. We're supposed to squat. There's, well, I do there's... put both my feet on the toilet seat. The, oh. When I, yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, there's, that's a, there's a way around it. Problem <laughs> solved. <laughs> 
Seven Reasons the 21st Century is Making You Miserable. And um, this is one I keep thinking about because I, I really was like, yeah, 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 yeah. A couple of them. Uh, the biggest one to me, they all kind of spin out of this, is um, we have forgotten how to basically talk to anyone that doesn't love everything that we love. Oh, sure. That the advent of the internet makes us seek out those who specifically like the things that we like. That we never have to deal with anyone that has opinions that aren't That's really funny ours. because I was talking to one of these one of these non comedy friends. Non coms, I call them. And normies. Uh yeah, normies. Or muggles. <laughs> I was talking about we were talking about something so funny. We were talking about I think honestly sex in the city or something like that. Okay. Which I actually defend as a show that was very formative to my relationships with my female friends in college. Okay. Thought it was great at the time. And this person who, you know, like I, I have a sideways haircut and, you know. It's the side mullet. Yeah, I have a side mullet and like wear a lot of jean jackets. So I think she assumed that I would hate this show ah. because it would be evil. But I was like, no, I will defend that show. And then she asked if we could still be friends. And I said, that is a weird thing to say. Yeah. Because what? if you hate that show, all I want to do is debate whether or not that show is good. For like an hour. I love... Debating. I love talking to people that have a different opinion than I do. I, I love it. I got into a debate about debating the other day. <laughs> because the person I was talking to had an extremely different opinion about the movie Moneyball. Oh, I didn't see it. And I wanted to... Because someone had told me they thought it was the best movie of that year. Wow. And I hadn't seen it. And I somehow doubted it. Yes. But then I saw it. And on consideration... That person may be correct. Wow. Right? Now, this person I was talking to saw Moneyball and didn't like it. Yes. And I was saying, well, this is why I think it's one of the greatest movies. And she didn't want to have this conversation at all because she didn't want to debate. She didn't want to argue. Yes. I'm like, no, no, no. Arguing is different. Arguing is the point of this is I want to make you cry. Right. Because I don't care about your opinions. I'm just going to badger you with mine until you leave Absolutely. here battered and bruised and emotionally. But I want to have my thoughts expanded. Yes. I want you to go like, no, that's wrong. Here's something else. I completely agree with and you. And I go and I leave thinking new things that I didn't think because you, you, you gave me some opinions I might not have had before I had this conversation. But see, even I think that has been missing from some of the conversations that I've been having. This is where I'm talking about this loneliness. Right. Because I think as... I mean, as I said, I'm like this. I'm like this female comic. I'm gay. I want to have those conversations with male. I would love to talk to a, a bunch of different male comics about whether or not, like, they need to use the word faggot. I would love to have a debate about that. But I just feel like, like the second you bring that up, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's it's people get defensive. Yeah, it's a fight exactly. And then so the well, I'm, not, so, I'm not homophobic. I'm not sexist. So right. It's like, no, 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 let's talk about yes, this. Yes, exactly. So you can't talk about that work stuff. But then I also feel like, I mean, I didn't see Moneyball, but I have wanted to talk to several people about the fact that I think Argo is like the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's so bad. And I had a bunch of friends that really liked it. And I really wanted to like explore. I like, love that Tell shit. me what you liked about it. Because yeah. I want to know. I don't want to make you feel bad. Mm -hmm. I just want to know. What it is that connected with you? Because maybe I'm an asshole. Do you know who Jeanette Winterson is? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, we're friends, of course. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Okay, so 
have you read her book, uh, Art Objects? No. This is one of probably my most formative books in the way that I think about criticism and art. It's a it's a book of essays. It's not like a novel. Sure. It's just that it seems like the point was she, as a artist, realized, you know, as a writer, uh, I don't know shit about visual art, right? So she was like, I want to know more about paintings and shit. So she called a friend of hers who was like an art critic, and she's like, how do I learn about paintings? And he said, go look at them, right? So that was the journey she set on, is to teach herself about art through the experience of looking at art. And it unveiled to her or revealed to her all of the preconceptions, the expectations, the projections that we have on art, and what our culture believes to be art as opposed to entertainment. Sure. And that we confuse the two. And one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things that she said in there is, I don't like it. She's like, if you say, I don't like this movie, I don't like this, um, this piece of music, I don't like that book. You haven't told me anything about film, music, or literature. Sure. You've told me how, you told me about you. Yes. Now, I want to hear what, she's like, but I don't like it, or I do like it. She said, the, the problem with those statements is that they should be the beginning of the conversation. Yes. And not the ending. And the problem is that they those are being uh, uh, held up. I don't like it as being held up as proof against certain oh, forms. You are making me smile so much. I so know. just this morning, uh, Rhea, who is my girlfriend mm-hmm. for any Rhea Butcher, very yeah. funny comedian. Um, and I were talking about Argo because mm-hmm. I was I was like reading some film. But really, the question is, how are can you go? <laughs> how are can you go? <laughs> but you were saying you were talking to her. We were about talking us. about Argo, and I said. Very similar to what you're talking about. You know, I, I didn't love... I don't know if you saw the movie Cloud Atlas. No, but I didn't. I didn't actually... I wanted to see it, though. I didn't love that movie. Right. But it is an amazing film. Okay. And... In terms of how it's made. and It's, and like, fascinating to see. It was spectacle. very high concept. Right, they right. They really tried to do some different things with storytelling. They mm-hmm. tried to include some, like, beautiful visual imagery. I mean, you can... It's, a, it's just a miss. Like, that's all it is. But it was a swing. And then I... And they just didn't connect. Okay, yeah. And then uh, that movie Argo is, I I just, it looks to me like somebody just didn't even come to play. Like, mm. I, my reaction to that movie was that I was just like, what the hell was that? Like, the first 10 minutes of that movie are amazing. The last hour and 50 minutes, are, it's embarrassing. Hmm. It's like American propaganda. Um, <laughs> it's really, it's like really crazy that, that, okay. g- that we gave that the Oscar. Um, but my point is or just. Or is it? Yeah, no, it's not, but it is also because Hollywood's supposed to be so crazy liberal. I'm saying, but is it though? No, it's not. Okay, go ahead. Anyway, go no, ahead my no, saying. my my point was just that I had this conversation. I mean, even the people that you think oh, this is why this like I got so sad about Argo is because I was talking to two female comics mm-hmm. about it. So again, it's like these are the people I should have some commonality with their right, ladies. Right, right. They do comedy. Okay. They want to they want they're into arguing for a living. They like they like to debate their point. And they said, "Oh, we saw Argo and we thought it was amazing." I said, "Really? That's crazy cuz I saw Argo. I thought it was shite." Right. And then they went like, "But uh like isn't it like a fun movie?" That was all they had. And isn't it like and isn't Ben Affleck kind of cute? And I was like, what did you just say to me? Wow. How is that that we're 
I don't know. It was just like a really sad moment where I realized, fuck. But that's one of the things is that what they said in this article is when someone presents a different opinion of yours, you think that's the end of the conversation. Yeah. It's just like, oh, we don't agree. I guess we can never, ever talk about that subject. <laughs> never again. Right. I'm going to put that in a never talk about box because they said that basically it used to be that your friends were your fucking neighbors. You know what I mean? You didn't know anyone that wasn't in your neighborhood. Yeah. You had the people that lived next door, the people that crossed the way, the people behind you, and that's who your friend was. That was your community. And you all had your different opinions that you talked about because you watched the news. But, of course, that was also a time where everyone got the same news. Well, okay, let me ask you a follow-up mm-hmm. to this. Yeah. So you are also, like, in a very you – are, you are a very specific – person as well because you grew up in vegas which like who the fuck grows up in vegas right and also you're a black dude Mm -hmm. and you play some alternative rooms Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily the norm i mean it's right majority white yeah and like i know some things about your relationship history that you've like done you know had are you currently in a polyamorous relationship can't necessarily say Got it. <laughs> but that's not that's because uh, right now what's going on with me is a bunch of transitions. Okay. Like there's a lot of in between. I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Figuring it out. At some point, things will fall into place. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's uh, everything's cloud atlas. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. Well, let me. So let me let me finish my question, which yeah. is: Do you ever feel like you just wish that you had somebody? that knew where you were coming from, like really hardcore. And, I, and I'm not saying everybody needs to, because I agree with you that it is, it's so enriching to know people right. that aren't the same as you or that don't have your same perspective. But there is a certain part of me that just wishes I had like that one person or those eight people yeah, but, that I knew, really knew what I meant. But I, but, you know, I don't even know if that really exists. I don't either. I'm just, is that even like a desire that you have? Whether I, or not it exists. I don't know if it's a desire because I've never, I've never, I've always just considered that will or won't happen. Do you know what I mean? But it's never been something that I, I have ever thought about as a goal to be achieved mm. as much as a, as a, uh, a place you might get to. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's very interesting. I wonder why it's something that I, I mean, and I'm not actually talking about like a romantic no, but you're just talking about being understood. I'm talking about like being understood, and, and I it's... look. It's I, I and I totally agree with you on that because I feel misunderstood. I feel misunderstood in many, many ways. But and it's because of that that I sometimes choose isolation myself. Yeah, that I'm just like you know what I don't want to go have to convince people of myself. Sometimes it's hard to explain all the time. I mean, that's how I feel. That's what that's what I'm saying. It's like. I don't know. I, it I is just hard feel to like it's tough to argue. It's tough to argue, argue especially because all the time. It's 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 tough because people are coming if they can't get out of their own comfort zone mm-hmm. or the their own way of always thinking about things. Yeah, you know, we we we, we tend to uh, think that the way we were raised and the values we have are universal. Yes, and so it's like I can't argue against your infallible certainty. Right. You know, if you're yeah. not willing to be like, well, maybe things are because, look, I used to think that I questioned those things. And that's why I am who I am. But it means that if you it means that I could start to go like that means that no one else or the very few people have the ability to question themselves and everything around them as much as I do. Wait, let me ask you this in this yeah. moment. 
I can't remember if this is true. Do you have siblings? You have a... I have two little sisters. I thought you had two sisters. They're 18 and 17. Oh, but... So they're like a, a lot, lot younger. A lot, lot younger, yeah. And then also there's a... You guys aren't the same sex, which... Yeah, they're sisters and they have a different father as okay. well. Okay. Half-sisters. Yeah, because the only reason that I... I mean, maybe the reason that like this whole quest is fueled is because I grew up in this like super tight family. Like okay. such a close family that... Classically Italian. Yeah, classically Italian. And like you only... Tr- like family first and you only trust your family like that was right. drilled into me when i was a kid and i right. so i and i have these two sisters you know and i mean i am different than them because i am gay mm-hmm. and so that and a performer too right and i'm performer and right. they're not and well they're both like in the arts actually oh, they which are? is okay. interesting but they're not they don't have a similar schedule that i do so they right. kind of think i don't have a job which is very funny of course um but I think maybe there's like a part of me that is like m- mourning that loss, like the loss of growing up with people that were that close to me. And I and oh, see, I also don't think I had that. Also, like my older sister is married now, and I'm very happy for her. I really like her husband. Right. But we were kind of raised like twins, and there just becomes a point in your life when you have to, you know, make your own decisions. Both of us, like I moved here, and I'm in a relationship. She's there, and she's in a relationship. But there's like almost this way of understanding each other because we are all girls and we all went to like the same schools except for college and you know we grew up in the same family with the same values like you're talking about right in that it's like the it's like the one the two people in the whole world that where our viewpoints are actually universal right as opposed to everybody else so i don't know if that is part of the reason also that i've isolated myself because it's like i I have that option we 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 want community you know what I mean? So it's like we are a social species. Yeah. And it's like how we're socialized is very different. Yeah. You know, that's the problem. We all want to belong, but what belong looks like changes. And look, like I was saying this to a friend of mine that, um, yeah, we all want to be loved and we all want to love. Right. But that doesn't mean it looks the same for everybody. Oh, certainly. That what that what that looks like has changed Every hundred years since the dawn of man. And do you think that you're an introvert? Yes. Because I, I also think that about myself. And I thought you might be as well because of conversations we've had about. But like, you know, I didn't know that. Like, like it's only in the last two years mm. that I have understood that I'm introverted and that I get depressed. Yeah. Depression. The idea of depression is relatively. And I keep talking about it a lot because it's like, oh, my God, that's what this is. You know, you know. I think actually we have a really similar experience on that front because I, I mean, we are both really social people. Yeah, and like loud and and then bubbly. everyone's just like, "Oh my god, you're so outgoing." Yeah, you're so, are you always on? Right. It's just like, yeah, I am. Yeah, when exactly. I'm around you, that's why I won't see anyone for a week. <laughs> Good day, sir. The only people I'll be seeing will be two dimensional. <laughs> Do you know why that is for you? Why you like? I mean, and I. I I guess Why I'm I, introverted? I, yeah, like, I don't know if that's how I, again, I don't know if that's, like, something you develop or if, like, a way that you're, I mean, I hear that, that performers and artists tend to be introverted mm-hmm. because we're, we're in our heads. That's where our art's coming yeah. from. So we're, we're constantly thinking about ourselves, our filtering our emotions through our brains. Yes. Um, reliving certain experiences to figure out ways not to have that happen again. Absolutely. Or looking at them, looking at them as if they are the proof that they will happen again. <laughs> So it's like I will, and I and I'm getting better at this. It's like I hate going to parties. 
Once I get there, I'm fine. And I leave early. Yeah. But I get when I get there. What, what stresses you out? I start re I start thinking about this. Is, I psych myself out about a party before I even get to it. I start thinking about how loud it's going to be, mm-hmm. how many people I'm not going to know, having to make small talk with strangers, um, getting things spilled on me, getting bumped into uh, that. It's going to be in a place that I don't like to get to, walking upstairs, how long it's going to take to drive. I start thinking about, like, all the things around the actual party, the event of human interaction, and all of that stuff that it takes me to get there and get out of there. Things that might happen are are heavier on the scale of should I should or should I should I stay or should I go. They're heavier (laughs) on that scale than fun. Yes, yes, right. Well, because it doesn't sound like that is your type of fun. It's not my type so of fun. So it's not actually fun. So you're not even like weighing fun. Well, because... you know what? And I hear that. See, and somebody, it's only, people have pointed this out for me. Yeah. Because I didn't know I was introverted because I'm loud, I'm boisterous. Right. I break into song for no reason, which people still don't get. Right. But it's like, so people just think I must be extroverted. But what defines an extrovert is Mm, I'm trying to think of the way to describe this. It's like they get energy. Energy it's the from given a group. to get and is given to yeah. get, and everyone everyone's energy gets higher. Yes. I just feel like I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm yes. giving, and I'm drained. Yes. By the end of it. Yes. And then I have to just I have to recharge my batteries alone. That is exactly how I feel, and I think that there's two things that have been hard for me to realize. Number one, because it's like air quotes fun to go to those yeah. parties for some people that are extroverted. Those those people are not realizing that, like, actually, it's like a task. I mean, and not like in a cruel you're performing. way. You're, you're going to work. Yeah, you, you're like, well, you are draining yourself. Your batteries are are running out, and you're like trying, and and you're going through it. But it's it's a task, and I think for some people that are just built a different way, it doesn't feel like that. I think for those people, it's really hard for them to be alone. I'm great at right, being alone. Right. I can be alone like crazy, and I don't want to always be alone. It's not like I never want to see people, but it's just a different like stressor, like. Being right. alone does not make me stressed. Being with people can make me stressed. Oh, that's exactly and right. There's an there's an opposite to that. So I think some of those people just are like, "What the fuck? Just relax." You know, like you're like, "No, no, it's I'm like actually just in a fight or flight mode, and I'm gonna totally be okay." Right. We're just watching the Super Bowl, but <laughs> but at the same time, you know, like my instincts are kicking in, and um, I just think that 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 can be very hard to say to people, can convey to people without that being kind of offensive. Well, but, you know, that's the other thing. And, uh, like, friends of mine friends of mine are the ones who said, I think you're introverted. There were articles coming out about, like, what introverts are like, and people yeah. were emailing me, like, I think this is you. And I read them, like, oh, my Jesus, Lord, that is right. what I am. But there's a lot of talk in all these articles also about how introverts understand extroverts. Yes. But extroverts do not understand introverts they do not get yes the low drive to participate in activities they do not get the the need for isolation they do not get that they don't like people up in their space changing their shit around well that is so crazy to me i never have heard that before but it makes sense to me that that the one that like introverts can understand actually because i actually i feel very understanding of people that like don't want to be alone right but i it has been, and I think this is another reason why I might do some editing when I speak to people is because, mm-hmm. like, there's no socially acceptable way to just be a healthy person and just be like, you know what? 
I'm just spending the afternoon by myself. Like, that is something I think you, know, you, you have to say. You guys say me time. That's a buzzword yeah. that people get. Well, yeah, me time. But I think it's like it's something that I've had to kind of grow into mm. feeling okay saying that. Right. Versus right. like somebody saying, "I just don't want to be alone right now." Like that is kind of the plot of every movie. Every I don't know. Movie. Like every movie is I kind shouldn't of shouldn't be alone right yeah, now. Yeah. Right. There's nobody that's like, you know what? I'm gonna chill it out. Like that's not a plot. Because to also anything. that also the note you'd get back if you wrote that in the script is like this character's too passive. Yeah. Exactly. They don't do any. What are they doing? Right. right. Totally. Too passive or like your friends are like, your friends are worried about you. Right. What do you do? You know, do you, you need okay? to get out of there? Yeah. And like, no, I totally don't need to get out of there. I just need to. I need to get into here. Yeah. I need to just chill out here. I'm totally fine. And I think I've had a lot of friends that it has been hard to explain that to them and then not have it be, you know, something that they took into themselves as like, well, shit, she doesn't even trust me. So then I started removing oh, it from the conversation. I see. Yeah. Well, have you had this? Because I had this when I before I knew that I might be introverted, um, introverted, my mm-hmm. quotation finger marks. I beat myself up about it. Yes. I wanted to be alone. I wanted to stay inside. And I'm like, no, people are supposed to go out. Yes. People are supposed to participate. That's what I should be. Do- and I beat myself up about why I am not doing these things, which, right. of course, just made me more want to not do those yes. things. Then I would just get sad and upset with myself. Well, I think that's one reason why I um, like work out or walk a mm, lot. Yeah, because it's like an active thing. Yes, that I am doing while I'm completely by myself. Because I also am not really good at um, relaxing. It makes me feel lazy to just like hang around. That's also yeah. I have like a crazy driven family, and so it's like if you're if you're sitting on a couch, it's like what the fuck? You know, like you just have to be like. Doing on the stuff. move, on the move. So I think it's been a, like an uh, it's the it's the exact intersection of like, hey man, I'm out in the world, I'm doing stuff, but then also like my earbuds are in, so like I'm not inviting conversation, right? And um, I'm sort of having a conversation in my own head, you with know, with people. myself and also with the people that I'm listening to, right. you know. So it's like this whatever news podcast, yeah, whatever news Bill, podcast, Bill Moyers, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I, I think you're right. It's just about. Letting yourself off the hook about that a little well, bit. Well, and you know what? And that's the thing. Are you good that, at like, that? Uh, Are you good at letting I've yourself got, off the hook? Since I've understood these things about myself, I have let myself off the hook. And then I do rarely have, I want to do something. I yeah. made the challenge <laughs> to myself this year. It was on my resolutions that I have not followed, which was every Friday from 8 to midnight, I will be gone. Oh, nice. I will not be inside my home. doesn't matter when. I'm yeah. leaving this house at 8. And I will not return until after midnight. And did you say it has been good or no, it has, it has been, not? No. I have. <laughs> I, did well, it, I did it a couple times, but then because sometimes you end up going out on a Thursday, yeah, and then you're like, well, now I'm not going to go out on Friday. Well, you know what else is funny is I think for a long time I was substituting. Substituting is not a word, but I was substituting um, work. Substituting and hesitation put yeah. together. <laughs> I was. I think I was substituting work for uh, like, hey, this is social. Do you know what? Because because we have a job that's moderately social. Right. If I would go out and work Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights, you know, every night of the week, then it felt like I was doing something social. And it can be social. But I've been trying to, well, since that, I moved here, have other types of social events, as we were talking about earlier, because exactly. it's a trick. Like, it's not really social. Because you have to be there. Yeah, you it's have to be It's still a there. passive activity, yes. technically, even yes. though you're going to perform. Yes. But it's different to... Be like, let's go hiking. Let's do this thing. Actively passive. 
And also, yeah, right. And also, you don't have to, like, if you just don't feel like talking to somebody, you don't have to go to a show. Like, you can just chill out at home. That's something new that I'm trying to learn. Like, okay, if you do feel like talking to somebody, do something social. If you feel like working, work. You know, and sometimes you're going to work when you don't feel like it. I'm not saying, like, always do exactly what you feel like. But I think there are also nights when I really needed time off. But instead of allowing myself to take that, I would just fill it with shows because then I could feel okay about, like, didn't have to feel guilty that mm. I was just laying around. Right. Um, so I'm trying to be a little bit better at that, too. Because those, those are never shows that you end up killing when you're like, I super don't want to be here. You know, like, that's not, you're not in your best space to I do that. murder. I tend to do that a little more than I've, I li- I'd like. They're the, the nights of like, okay, it's going to be eight. Yeah. Got to do a show. About seven o'clock, I yeah. start feeling like I don't want to do the show. I'm trying to focus my energy better because yeah. those shows are not helpful. And I'm not saying that sometimes, as I said, you should work sometimes when you don't want to. Right, right, right. It's a great, you don't want to get into this like lazy practice of like, I only work when I want to, but putting that much negativity into your act and mm-hmm. like having stand up be this thing where it's like, I do it no matter what, yeah, even yeah, yeah. if it kills me. Like, I don't actually think that makes me any better. No, it doesn't. Well, I don't think it makes it fun for people to watch me. I hung out with Ryan Singer yesterday, and I told him I had this uh, revelation, which I believe, because I had fallen into a pattern of beating myself up about sets that I didn't think went really well. Wanting to do well than doing my quote-unquote A material at tanking because I'm doing it by rote. Right. You know? Yes. And instead of just talking and trying to figure out more stuff. Now, what I started doing again is recording my sets, every set. Like, I did that show at the Hayworth, Rhea show. Mm-hmm. That what, What's happened with that? Is that dead? Is the Hayworth yeah. still around? The Hayworth is with the shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I was upset-ish because I felt like I rambled. There was no focus to what I was doing, mm. but I recorded it. And when I listened to it, there's like four good ideas in that yeah. set that presented themselves to me that I can take I can cherry pick those and be like, I'm going to develop that into something, right? Now, what I wasn't doing was recording myself. So when I had a set like that, I'd rambled. The ideas were presenting themselves. But after I got off, but I had no record of them. So you I'd get of, off stage, beat myself up, yeah. and I'd just be there. And that's all I would remember happening. That's really interesting. Sure. Absolutely. But, but now that I'm recording it, I can be like, four ideas. Good. Yeah. That's useful now. Instead of like, damn it, I didn't. Uh, oh, God. Why? Right. You know, I was, I had a really, I had an interesting show. Like I, I did two shows on uh, Friday and the first one was like not a crowd wasn't really jazzed to be there. Uh, I went up sort of towards the end and there was a really packed, like very talkative green room, which sometimes can mean that like I can't get stoked to go on yeah, stage yeah, yeah, yeah. because everybody's like chatting and then I'm like, just like worried about and sometimes one upping yeah everybody's one upping so i was worried about like laughing and joking back there so i was like bl- blowing my load before i even got on stage right so i got on stage and i basically died i think i just didn't i couldn't connect with anybody i was just like what the fuck is going on and i just re- i said to Rhea, i was like afterwards i was just like what well, i mean and it would have been great to be taping myself because maybe i would have been able to figure this out myself but mm-hmm. like she was a witness almost in this moment so i was like what just happened there and she was like I think it didn't look like you cared to be there or like you were having any fun at all. And I was like, well, all right, fair enough. And also I was super distracted. 
uh, and she was like, yeah, you could tell. And I mean, I know that's obviously it's a really simple thing, but sometimes you forget when you're how, performing yeah. that like if you are not captivated by yourself and the audience, how can you expect anybody else to be captivated? That's what she Absolutely. said to me. She's like, Absolutely. if you are not interested in what you're saying, then nobody is going to give a shit about it. And that like, was, that used easiest to be one of the, lesson, so easy to forget, though. One of the old acting notes. If you believe you, I believe you. Yeah. Absolutely. Whoosh, whoosh, Cameron. <laughs> and I said to somebody that it's like, we're comedians, so we go out all the damn time. Like, what most people see as a night out is our job. Yes. So it's like Friday at 8, you're like, yeah, we can begin. Right. That's when work begins. Right. For me. So nighttime, all the times when everybody wants to be social is when I'm working. Absolutely. I am responsible for the event right. you decided right. to be social That's at. That's true. So, so, a ni- so sometimes to a comedian, a night in is a night out. We're just like, I don't have to yes, go anywhere on Saturday that night. That is such a good point. That's such a good point. I mean, I guess that's the other thing is like I knew that it was Friday and that I wanted a time. I had like a, a crazy stressful week last week and like they weren't necessarily bringing any energy and I just didn't have anything to give. So the second show that I went to, was it, it was just like super laid back and like the crowd was hilariously drunk it's like in a basement in a hotel it was actually it ended up being an awesome time mm. because i think i just came i finally like loosened up and just realized that it was fine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think i saw some people that were actually already having fun and so i was able to match their energy but like mm. that's a great point sometimes a night out or night in it is a night out and you and we have to give that to ourselves it's crazy i know that i sound like such a no, it makes you feel like it's a baby just, to say just, this, like a whiny. Balance. It's not whiny. Yeah. See, that's the other thing. You got to not judge yourself, Cameron. <laughs> no, seriously. It's hard. How can it's, you do it's it? It's very hard, but you have to not. You have to give yourself permission to do this shit and to feel this shit. That's what I'm saying. It's like when I, fig- I before I knew I was introverted, the beating myself up about like I got to go out there. Yeah. No, I'm supposed to be a human being and go have fun. But it's different than I because sometimes with that social expectation that like you you put. You 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 you're at fun at the top of a piece of paper, yeah. And you underline it, and you make a list of here are all the things clubbing. Okay, that's yeah. fun. Uh, it's like all that stuff that's supposed to be fun that everyone is going to have fun yeah. at is not fun to me, right? So I go, am I not capable of having fun? Right. Then? It's just that it's just different for me. Yes, I like the alone time. Absolutely, I like the cheesy shit. And you can't also bring the fun that you are being paid to bring. Unless you are having oh, the that's stuff why, that's actually fun to you. That's why I and I and I may go back on this when I've had it happen a couple of times, like after a show, I never hang out with audience members. Because what they want is the DVD extras. Yeah. They expect I, the show to continue. I also do not. I mean, I will go out with I will go out after a show. But right. I will I with agree. Comics. I will go out with comics. I will not go out with audience members. It is uncomfortable to me. Because it also feels like they have a lot of knowledge about you. Yeah, they don't know Shiza about Schmiza. And you don't really know anything about them. Exactly. And it feels very strange. I know a lot of comics that do that, the, like, post-show hangout with an audience member. And it's not any... I don't dislike those people. It's just I don't... It's such an imbalance in knowledge Mm -hmm. that it, like, becomes very odd to have a conversation. That's kind of what the... That's kind of what podcasting is in a way. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? A lot of people are going to listen to this. Well, They're I... going to know a lot about you and me. <laughs> that we don't know anything about them. Yeah, I guess I just... I mean, I really do just, like... If you want us to know something about you, 
Tweet us. Yeah, tweet us. At Cameron Esposito. That's right. At Cameron Esposito. Yeah. Tweet that name. Tell me the things that I should know. <laughs> Tell me what's going on with you. Well, we should probably wrap it yeah, up. Yeah, we know should. you got some stuff you got to go do. I got to go do some stuff. Any any final thoughts on on this subject of what you're trying to do? What steps are you trying to take? This has really been a very necessary conversation right now. I Aside from podcasting and talking into microphones, mm-hmm. maybe sometimes I should just try and have really revelatory conversations with my friends with microphones, with microphones. because then I feel more calm and like I can be honest. Um, it's true. There's yeah. something about as a comedian <laughs> yeah. holding a microphone yeah. is a psychological it cue that is. I can say yeah. whatever I want. Exactly. We're having a Pavlovian emotional conversation. Bing. Right Revelation. Now. <laughs> Bing. Observations. Uh, but um. Yeah, I, I've really enjoyed talking to you about this, and I hope that I hope we keep talking about this. We're going to keep friends. talking about this. We'll talk about it off podcast, and I think and then sometimes on podcast. Yeah, good. okay, I think so. A lovely conversation with Ms. Cameron Esposito. Uh, again, make sure to check out her podcast. Put your hands together. Um, leave ratings, comments, uh, joy, positivity, life, love on iTunes, SoundCloud, and whatever the fuck else I am on. For you guys who like this, like it. Continue to like it. Tell your friends. Tell your friends that like deep philosophical bullshit <laughs> based on psychological um, unrest this ease. I mean this ease, not disease. Wah, 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 wah. I remember one time I was at a restaurant with a white friend and I had a white waitress that was probably in her 60s and decided to uh, volunteer some information I thought was fascinating and uncomfortable. We were ordering meat. I don't know if it was steaks or if it was a burger. And when she asked us how we wanted it cooked, I said I wanted mine medium well. And then my friend said they wanted theirs medium rare. And she decided to throw out the information that black people always like their meat cooked. Rarely has she ever, she's never seen a black person ask for anything rare. Rarely do we ask for anything rare. She's never seen us want anything less than medium. And that medium is like really, really rare anyway. So we always get medium well or well done well done like the name of the guy who makes the music and then white people always get things medium medium rare usually medium rare more than anything and i said now that's because white people love the taste of blood and that was that way that made it uncomfortable that's the big tip gotta break those stereotypes you know what i'm talking about hey yo deep shit